Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Monday, August 8th, 2022. And it's funny, I wanted to write an article this week about government spending deficits and inflation and what people call inflation, which is prices rising generally. But somebody did beat me to the punch. Now, I don't subscribe to any cable services. I I do not pay for cable so that I can get 50, 60, 70 channels. I canceled that in June of 2020 in protest uh, to the product that was being put out that made a decision I'm not going to subsidize the blatant propaganda and outright falsehoods put out by the network news media. And I'm telling you, even if you are refusing to watch NBC News or CNN or Fox News or whatever channel that you might otherwise watch, and you're, you're going to alternative news sites, you're still paying them if you subscribe to cable. So I encourage everybody to cancel their cable subscription. There's plenty of ways that you can find out what's going on and what the news is telling people. And it is good to know what baloney they're telling people. I keep this podcast uh, you know, not, not being labeled as explicit. And that's why I use the word baloney. Believe me, it wasn't the first word that came to mind. But you can go around to the different websites for CNN, NBC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, and find out generally what malarkey they're peddling to the public and not at the same time pay for it. So I encourage everyone to do that. So what I do every morning is I start going around the various news sites to do exactly what I just said. And usually I'll come up with at best something to talk about during the podcast for the week, you know, just to kind of refute what they're telling everybody else. But believe it or not, today I found an article on NBCnews.com that I as wholeheartedly agree with as I can 
with anything dealing with the economy that's not published on Mises.org. So the official name of this article is Manchin's Disingenuous Claim About the New Spending Bill. And then it has the subtitle, The Inflation Reduction Act isn't just misnamed because it won't do what its title promises. It will likely make inflation worse. And that long title and subtitle is shortened when you actually see it on the NBC News page. The title of the link is The Inflation Reduction Act is Anything But. So I agree with all that, but the part that might even be controversial among us true believers here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom is that he starts out the article saying, it seems that someone told Congress that deficits cause inflation, but forgot to mention why, and then in parentheses, or Congress wasn't listening to the explanation. How else can you explain the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 with a straight face? The massive spending package that Senate Democrats are set to vote on Saturday, which allocates funding for health care, fighting climate change, and controlling prescription drug costs in exchange for raising some taxes, focuses largely on deficit reduction that will have no effect on inflation. So that might raise a few eyebrows among us anti-government types that, of course, deficits cause inflation and, of course, higher spending causes, uh, higher government spending causes inflation. But I'm here to tell you, Mr. Anti-Government himself, Mr. Every Dollar of Government Spending is Wasted regardless of whether it's dollars that fit into the powers granted in the Constitution, I'll still tell you that what people generally think of as inflation, which is all all prices of goods and services rising at the same time, no, government spending does not cause that, and neither do deficits. Now, it is true that raising government spending and especially above what the government takes in in taxes, may lead to the thing that causes inflation, but they don't directly cause inflation itself. And again, inflation being rising prices. I should say price inflation, because really the definition of inflation in economic terms is the increase in the supply of money and credit. As my paper 1997 Merriam-Webster Dictionary clearly states, and that's why they'll have to pry that thing from my cold, dead hands. You can't go back and revise that. You can't disappear that off the internet. There it is in black and white, as they say. So you're not going to get inflation unless you increase the supply of money in the economy. And that doesn't necessarily happen merely because the government spends more money than it did the year before. Neither does it necessarily happen if the government spends more than it takes in in taxes and borrows the rest. And I think there that's where maybe a lot of people might get tripped up, that they're thinking that, well, maybe if they paid for all this in taxes that there wouldn't be price inflation, but when they go and borrow money, they're 
is then going to be price inflation merely because of the borrowing. And even that is not true because if the government borrows dollars from some existing stock of dollars, then they're not increasing the amount of dollars available to chase the same goods and services. So it's only by increasing the amount of money overall that all prices could rise. And again, I think people get tripped up on explanations for rising prices, generally rising prices, when they see a policy like Joe Biden shutting down pipelines and therefore decreasing the supply of oil and indirectly raising the price of gasoline, let's say, for example. Okay, yes, that's going to raise the price of gasoline. And then therefore, many people say, and this is all true, by the way, that because so many things that we consume are brought to us by either mostly trucks or railroad or airplane, that those rising fuel costs are going to raise the cost of all sorts of other things. And that's all true as well. But you still would not have a a rise in the price of everything without additional dollars being added to the economy. Why? Because with a finite amount of dollars or a fixed amount of dollars, I should say, let's just say the amount was fixed today and then the government went on doing what it does best, which is to make everything more expensive for the rest of us. Well, that finite amount of dollars not being increased, if you raise the price of not only gasoline, but everything that was delivered to your local store in a truck that burns gasoline, et cetera, et cetera, you still would not raise the price of all goods because once you started spending more for one set of goods, you would have less money left over to spend on another. By definition, you would run out of dollars and therefore the price of something would decrease. There would be less demand for some things because others had been made more expensive. And you you can get to this without any empirical proof. It's just a priori reasoning that let's just say the average family, if, if they're spending $2 a gallon on gas and that costs them let's say 60 bucks a week. Okay. They fill up two tanks and then a little bit more every week. And that comes out to something like 500 bucks a month. Okay. If you double the price of gasoline, then they're spending instead of 500 bucks a month. Now they're spending a thousand dollars a month. So they have 500 less dollars to spend on other things. And when you apply this across the economy and also add that those added costs to all the other things that they buy. I mean, the first thing they're going to do is pay for their food, shelter, energy, and clothing, right? So they're going to, they're going to pay for the basic necessities of life. And then all those other things that they don't absolutely need to keep on breathing month to month, they're going to have less money to spend on. And the cost of those things is going to go down. That's just an inevitable reality unless more money units are added to the economy somehow. Let's take a short break for this important message. 
friends. If you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts here a couple of ways at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos, or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. So I know I've talked about that on a previous podcast, but I like to remind people because everything you hear, everything is blaming rising prices on non-monetary causes. And of course, this is what the Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve is the cause of rising prices, generally, generally rising prices. But they never take responsibility for that. They always blame non-monetary causes on the reason prices go up, and then they paint themselves as the hero who comes in to get those prices back down, which is what Jerome Powell, that's his been his message all year, that he's going to be Paul Volcker, as if Paul Volcker was some kind of hero because he came in and just exercised this this government-granted power. And yes, I know the Federal Reserve is technically privately owned, but it is a government program. It was created by Congress. Its board members are appointed by the government. This is a government operation. And I should say that for anyone who thinks that the problem with the Federal Reserve is that it's private, then that's, that's not the problem. The problem is it's given a monopoly on creating U.S. dollars by the government gives them that monopoly and we're all forced to use them by various legal tender laws and other laws that make it extremely difficult to use anything else as currency. But getting back to my point, even the Republicans who are blaming Biden for the inflation, and I think there's even a hashtag Biden inflation. That's not really technically true. Now nothing he's doing is helping the situation, but while Biden's policies might make energy more expensive and food more expensive, the prices of other things should be dropping. If, if it weren't for Federal Reserve inflation, now that's real inflation, increasing the supply of money and credit, then you would not have the CPI, for instance, going up. You would have some prices going up and others going down because people couldn't afford to buy them. And therefore, demand would be cratering for other things that Biden is not, through government policy, 
making more expensive. Now, one last thing on that point, because I want to get back to this article and, and go through some of the other things that he says. Yes, government spending, and especially government spending beyond what they take in in taxes, does lead to the Federal Reserve creating more money. And here's why. Because they're spending so much that not only can they not get anywhere near what they are spending collected in taxes, but we were pretty much maxed out on the amount of taxes that the government can collect. That's why rates are not back at 90%. They discovered, and there's some truth to the famous Laffer curve, that at some point when you're raising taxes, you start to get less returns. And when I say raising taxes, I mean taxes on income. Because after a certain point at a certain income level, you know, people are comfortable enough that it's not worth it to them to work a little bit more to have 90% of what they worked for taken away. They'd rather just enjoy their leisure time. And of course, we're talking about people with very high incomes. So the Laffer curve actually is true, especially the way that Laffer originally postulated it. He never said that tax cuts would pay for themselves. That's a straw man, just like trickle-down economics. He never said that. He just said that at a certain point, as you raise the marginal tax rate, you start getting less and less revenue coming into the government. So we're at revenue max as far as government spending goes, and they're spending 40% more than that, typically year over year. And by the way, I don't blame the politicians entirely for this. I blame the people. It's the people that want this government. If everyone who voted for the politicians who spend all this money would pony up the money to pay for all the spending that they voted for, well, I'll tell you what, government spending would, would uh, decrease dramatically very quickly. And so we don't get too convoluted here. Okay, so... If you're spending that much past what you're collecting in taxes, you're also spending that much beyond what you could possibly borrow from any willing lender. So if they're just going out to the market to get already existing dollars to spend on all these programs and all this government spending, then you would not be causing prices to rise in general. Now, the government borrowed that money and spent it all on Frisbees for everybody, okay, that most people don't want. Maybe they already have a Frisbee. Maybe they don't like Frisbees. In other words, they spend it on something with no utility. Now, first of all, the price of Frisbees are going to go way up because the government artificially increased the demand for those. And, of course, everybody gets one, whether they want one or not, in the government Frisbee program. But the prices of other things, since those dollars were taken away and, and spent on Frisbees, the price of something else or, or all other things, demand for those things has to go down a little because those dollars were directed at Frisbees. 
But if the government prints treasury bonds and instead of selling them all on the open market, sells some or all of them to the Federal Reserve, that's called monetizing the debt, because what's going to happen is the Federal Reserve creates new money in order to buy those bonds. The Federal Reserve doesn't have reserves. They just create money. And to the extent that dollars make their way back to the Federal Reserve, which is what's going on with the current very, very slight quantitative tightening, dollars are destroyed. They're taken out of existence as, let's say, a bond that the government, I'm sorry, the Federal Reserve is holding is retired. And those dollars that came in to pay the, the Fed off for that, that government paper just goes out of existence. So with that preface, we'll get back to this article. And the gentleman who wrote it is a PhD professor of economics at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. And he graduated with his PhD in 1987 from the University of Chicago. So I don't know his philosophical economic school leanings. I probably would guess that he is a Chicago school monetarist, having coming right out of that school just 10 years after Milton Friedman retired. And he kind of talks like one. I'd love to think he's an Austrian, but let's go through this article. So he says, as I said before, reducing the deficit is not going to have an effect on inflation. And the next thing he says, it's excessive money creation. The printing of more bills at the direction of the Federal Reserve, reducing the spending value of those already in circulation and not the deficit that causes inflation. Controlling inflation demands controlling the supply of money. So far, so good. Can you believe you're reading this in and NBC News, every once in a while, they let a little bit of truth come out. So you, you can't stop watching them. You never know when these blind squirrels are going to find an acorn once in a while. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. So anyway, getting back to the article, he says, yet Senator Joe Manchin, 
Democrat of West Virginia, the driving force behind the Inflation Reduction Act, claims he torpedoed an earlier spending package, which was Build Back Better, with some of the same components over fears it would contribute to skyrocketing inflation. And now he claims the bill on the table will help rein it in. Instead, the inflation reduction label is being used to justify a hodgepodge of special interest spending that has absolutely nothing to do with inflation. Beyond the unneeded tax hike to reduce the deficit, the act proposes coercing drug companies to lower prices. The money that will now remain in people's pockets will still be in circulation, though, so even if successful in reducing drug costs, this will have zero effect on overall inflation. Similarly, though it leads to heated discourse, global warming does not cause inflation either. Now, that was an interesting thing that he said right before, where he says that even if you lowered drug costs, it's kind of the opposite of what I was saying before, that if you raise the cost of one thing, you're going to lower the demand of another. Similarly, if you just artificially depress the cost of one good or service, you're not going to stop overall price inflation because that money saved will now be spent on something else. So it works both ways that if you want, the only way that you can raise the price of everything is to add dollars to the economy. And the only way that you can reverse the artificially high prices that you previously created with adding too many dollars to the economy is by then subtracting dollars from the economy, not by just going around with a, a sledgehammer and ordering people to lower their prices. So let's go on with the article. He then says, it's true that deficits, and he defines that as how much more money the government spends each year than the revenue it receives, primarily from taxes, can sometimes cause inflation because they can exert pressure on the Federal Reserve to print money to help cover the gap. And that's what I was saying before, that indirectly it can lead to the thing that causes inflation, but it's only when the Federal Reserve actually creates new dollar units and is successful in getting them into economic circulation that you see generally rising prices. Now, he goes on to say that, but that isn't why Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell printed the excess money that led to our current predicament. And when he says that isn't why, what he's referring to is government deficits. Instead, writes Professor Coleman, he printed money beginning in March 2020 because he feared the COVID pandemic would crash the economy, and he didn't think printing that money would create inflation. He was wrong on both counts. Powell has increased the money supply by some $6.2 trillion since the start of the pandemic, a 40% rise in cash and other assets easily convertible to cash in the economy. A 40% rise in money will lead to a roughly 30% rise in prices over three years, according to my calculations, which is about 10% inflation for three years. Unfortunately, we seem to be on target for the first year. Now, this is what tells me he's probably a Chicago school guy, 
because the Austrians would not be constructing models to try to calculate all of this. They would make the general assertion that this is going to cause price inflation, among other things, but they would not probably construct a model as a Chicago school economist would and try to calculate you know, the exact percentage. But I want to read just one more paragraph here that kind of makes the point about deficits. And that is, he says, though some students of history want to point to former Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker's complaints about the deficit when he famously tried to tame inflation four decades ago, that wasn't central to his policy. And indeed, the deficit grew from 1.55% of gross domestic product in 1979 to 5.2% by 1983. So he clearly did not count on deficit reduction to lower inflation. And this was big spending Reagan, who just blew up the budget. And yes, it was Reagan. He he made all the budget proposals and he had a Republican Senate on his side. So although the, the Congress has a part in this, what they eventually passed was not very different from what Reagan proposed. But I digress. One more paragraph. Instead, Volcker reduced the supply of money via an interest rate rise from 13.77% in October 1979 to 19.08% in January 1981. Controlling the deficit doesn't control inflation, not then and not now. And just one more caveat to that that I'd like to remind people of. It's kind of a technical point. But the relationship between the supply of money and the federal funds rate is not as direct as it used to be because they no longer raise the federal funds rate by pulling money directly out of the uh, supply of money circulating in the economy as they used to. Since 2008 and since the Federal Reserve banks have built up such large excess reserves, what the Federal Reserve does now is it raises the interest rate on interest it's paying on those excess reserves, which are not part of M1 or M2 or any of those other money supply measures, much less euro dollars, which is a whole other subject. So what instead they're doing when they raise the federal funds rate is just discouraging the banks from lending out new dollars or increasing the amount of dollars they lend. So another way to say this is that the Federal Reserve used to have a lot more leverage on the money supply with the federal funds rate, and instead now they have to do a separate operation that they call quantitative tightening to get base money out of the system. And that would be to sell securities back to their member banks who have no choice but to buy them when the Federal Reserve says buy these. And that would pull money away from the Federal Reserve banks. They don't actually even do that much. What they're doing right now is trying to decrease their balance sheet, the Federal Reserve's, all the securities that they're holding by just letting them age out and drop off. So you can see what they're doing is trying to solve a problem that was caused with a fire hose by you know letting money drip out of the economy. Maybe you could even call it a trickle. But certainly they're not doing enough to combat the problem 
It would take a long time at the rate the Federal Reserve is easing right now for them to get that much money out of the system. Now, they say that starting in September, they're going to be taking out $90 billion a month, and that would get significant over the course of an entire year. You're talking about pulling a trillion dollars out of the supply of money. Now, their balance sheet is about 8.9, I should say 8.8 trillion right now. They've let it trickle down into the high 8.8 range. They're supposed to be going 45 billion a month right now, but they're nowhere close to that if you start counting at June 1st. Although there had been some balance sheet reduction before June 1st, before they said they were going to do it. So, you know, who knows? But if they pulled a trillion dollars out of the economy, out of the base money supply, 12 months time, then of course that has a multiplier effect in a, in a deflationary sense as well. So when you look at M2, it's up there in the 20 trillions, even though the Federal Reserve's balance sheet is only 8.9 trillion because you know the, the drill once $1,000 is created, that $1,000 can be lent out many times. It used to be that there was a reserve requirement of 10% where the banks would, ha- would only be able to lend out $900, and then the bank, the next bank would only be able to lend out 810 of that or 90%, whatever, on and on and on. There, there aren't reserve requirements as of March of 2020, I believe, but they have other capital requirements So there is some tenuous limits on money creation, which is why it doesn't just go to the moon. Plus, they have to find people they are willing to lend to. Even under lax lending standards, there is a limit. But of course, the amount of money available in the economy is always much more than the Fed originally created. And therefore, if the Federal Reserve draws base money out of the system, then you're going to have a deflationary effect on the money supply beyond just that which it draws out, if that makes sense. So we'll see. I'm not hopeful that the Fed is going to reduce its balance sheet to anything like what it used to be. Remember that before 2008, the Fed's balance sheet was only $800 billion, $800 billion. And they took it up to $4 trillion after the 2008 crisis and said they were going to get it back to normal. And they got it from a little over $4 trillion to just under $4 trillion and then completely reversed. Long before the COVID crisis, they, they began adding to their balance sheet again. And then, of course, it exploded after March 2020. So the article goes on to refute some of the claims about reducing price inflation based on fighting climate change and all those things. And the author, Dr. Coleman, makes some points about how all this just raises the cost of certain things, kind of refutes his own argument a little, in my opinion, because he says that the one thing that would lower prices, which is to make encourage more production of fossil fuels, is the one thing in the bill that the Democrats don't like. But again, you know, this does not reduce prices overall for the same reasons he previously pointed out, which is that just reducing the cost of energy, even though it affects a lot of other things, 
would not necessarily lower the the general price level because that saved money would be spent on something else. You got to pull mo- dollars out of the system, or, pr- or prices are not going to go down from where they are. That is until production increases dramatically enough that the supply of goods and services in general outstrips the amount of dollars. But we never get to a point where the the money supply stays static, and that's why prices generally rise. And, And the last thing I'll say is this idea that we didn't have price inflation from 2008 to 2020 or 21, that's also wrong. No, prices didn't go up that much, but they should have been falling. Something that is a point I make in my book, it's the Fed stupid. The experience of people in the 19th century on a gold standard was that prices generally fell over time. There were periods of inflation, always connected, by the way, by some kind of monetary interference, usually around a war, but when the... you. Bank of the United States was in operation or when Lincoln was printing his greenbacks and took the U.S. off the gold standard, those are the times you saw temporary price inflation in the 19th century, but that was always followed by price deflation. And overall, if you had a basket of goods in 1800, by 1900, that price had fallen by almost half. So a much different experience people had in the 19th century. All price inflation is artificial. It's all caused by monetary inflation. And in general, you should be experiencing lower prices constantly over the course of your life. Only government intervention causes the opposite to happen. So with that, we'll leave it there. I'll remind everybody, if you haven't already, I cover a lot of these things in my book, It's the Fed Stupid. You can get a free copy by just going to itsthefedstupid.com. That'll take you to a page where you can download a free PDF, and it'll also take you to the Amazon page where you can buy a paperback copy. If you can still afford anything after food and energy these days, Buy a couple copies for your friends. It can do nothing but good because until people in general understand what really causes inflation, the way they think about inflation, rising prices, we're never going to get anywhere in, in reversing the problem. As long as they're calling it Biden, Bidenflation, then you're not getting any closer to solving the problem. Most of the money printed was printed because of spending Trump signed into legislation. And I'll go one step further with you, and this is a point I made in a previous article that I'll also link to on the show notes page. Had we not had all of that government spending that led to all that money printing in 2020, there never could have been lockdowns. If if it wasn't for the government guaranteeing people that They could stay home and produce nothing and still survive. Okay, there's no way to do that unless the government sends you money, money it didn't have, money that was far too much for it to borrow. So without that intervention, then we never could have had lockdowns. And I think the point of that article was that, yeah, we had federalism to some extent 
that some states had different policies than others. Thank goodness for South Dakota, Florida, Iowa, Texas, late to the game, but at least they they finally did it. But the bottom line was even New York and New Jersey and California and all those blue states would not have been able to lock down at all, much less for as long as they did, if it wasn't for this money created out of thin air by the Federal Reserve, guaranteed by the federal government, and all signed under Trump, by the way. It's obviously impossible for people to consume what somebody hasn't produced. So it was only that massive federal spending, which was underwritten by Federal Reserve inflation, that made the lockdowns even possible. Otherwise, they never would have happened. Just think about that. And of course, Biden came in there and tried to be just as bad. And he he might have been just as bad, but this is at least a bipartisan problem. And again, the politicians only do what they do because they have the Federal Reserve to monetize the debt that they create. So again, it's thefedstupid.com. Get a, a free copy or buy a paperback copy of the book. And don't forget to also visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support and consider becoming a supporter of the show. You're going to get weekly paid subscriber member only content. Patreon members at the VIP level can also get access to my online courses. So don't forget to stop by there and consider becoming a paid subscriber. I appreciate all the people who keep joining every weekend. I don't know why they're waiting for the weekend to join, but that's when I get the most new members. And I appreciate everybody who supported the show in any way. And as always, if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.